Hi, my name is Beverly Barnett-Jones. And my name is Tim Fisher. And welcome to the Relational Soup Podcast. <laughs> we got it right that time. Why Relational and why Podcast, Tim? Uh, I guess Relational Soup, we're all learning to swim in the Relational Soup, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And, and I should so. say, actually, before you go on, um, you left out something from your introduction there. Your oh, name. I love this man. Uh, yes, I need to say that I'm Beverly Barnett-Jones. MBE. Yeah, you've got to keep it real. you got to keep it real. Yeah, on the I love the respect that I get from you because you always remind people she's got an MBE. It might mean that she's got a bit of wisdom. <laughs> Not necessarily the case, but it could be the case in regards to myself. Um, so uh, so we, we've been out to visit some people, haven't we, in their homes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wise heads, as we've referred to them. People who can teach us something about thinking and feeling. People that are storytellers as well, yeah? yeah. I think that's why we're attracted them because we're both attracted to stories and yeah. finding stories and the journeys and, and the what journeys. they can teach us and and how it helps us think about our journey yeah around the business of social work getting closer to people and we've asked them them to tell three stories mm-hmm. um, from their past that's right and it could be the past a story that could have happened yesterday or something 60 years ago yeah we're gonna knock on the door now and segue through to the first edition of... I love of that, segue through. <laughs> I'm doing a little wall here, people. The, the first edition of the Relational, Relational Soup Podcast. Well, you tell us where it's most comfortable for you, Yeah, well, let's go in here. Okay, all right. My garden, would you like some coffee? Yes, please, coffee. So we're sitting here with the wonderful G. Froburn. Um, June is the Emeritus Professor in the School of Social Work at the University of East Anglia. Uh, June was educated at Bolshoi Grammar School, went to University of Reading to study French, went to University of Oxford and did a Masters in Social Work. Yeah, Barnet House in Oxford. June has been a qualified social worker since 1963 and became a social work practitioner, social work researcher in 1979. And to add, she's made a CBE in 2002 Birthdays Honours List and is also a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. Mm. And we're grateful that June is now going to take us through three stories from her life. So let me make some coffee and then we'll go to the other one. The biggest influence, I guess, on, on my career in social work was amazingly getting a place at Barnett House with Olive Stevenson. There were there were 14 of us in, in the group. It was a second year of social work of four probation officers and 10 child care officers. Um, and it was hugely influential, as you would expect. Olive Stevenson, a very powerful person. And essentially what I picked up there, uh, oh, I mean, I would say we used to have uh, visiting lecturers like Keith Joseph and the values came from there and I suppose the key things were rights uh, rights and the duty of care which came then with whole as a child care officer remember the emphasis mm-hmm. was on um, children in care I mean my caseload was foster care adoption uh, but it was just prior to the 1963 Act, preventive social work, that the duty to, that the ability to use money 
to do preventive social work. And my first placement was in a housing association. So I was going around collecting rents. So you, you can see how the, the family ethos uh, just took, took over, really. So rights-based social work, the duty of care to everybody, uh, irrespective of their role, um, and, but particularly parents and children. Uh, so mm. even though the role as a childcare officer was meant to be statutorily about children in care, um, and there were there were there were almost no books. Uh, that was about three books that we we could we could read basically, <laughs> um, uh, which which meant that uh, we just had to listen and talk to each other and and and. Um, uh, but but one of the influences was Claire Winnicott. So Claire Winnicott was was one of our teachers. Came yes. came in and descended upon us and uh, spent, um, I guess, six sessions on the first six months. So my my background also is is psychodynamic. Um, uh, but again, Olive, that's Olive's background. But also, she was always interested in issues like poverty and social deprivation, and she subsequently did go on and work for the social department for social security for a while. So. Um, that, that was where I was coming from. Um, so my first post uh, was uh, in Leicester. Olive was always very careful. You must be very careful where you get your first job, which was a, I've always passed on this advice to students. Uh, and I went to Leicester, lovely man, Alan Evans. Um, so I, I went there with this um, determination as a childcare officer to help to keep families together. Um, and the, the job actually was a family caseworker. Uh, so it was 1963, the start of, and, and I had a caseload of 10. If we're talking about what you could, what you can do, I had a caseload of 10. Uh, and there was me and, a, and another woman um, who were the, the, the family caseworkers. Um, so, um, Obviously, relationship-based practice. My first case, the first day of starting, there was there was Mrs R on the pavement because it was prior to the Homeless Persons Act on the pavement with all her possessions and her four kids and I had to do something about it. And, of course, I ended up having to tell her husband he could, we couldn't do anything about him, but the mother and the kids went into the homeless families' accommodation. Um, so, you know, that was, that was quite a, a starting point. So I had 10 problem families, as they then were. Um, oh, that, that's right. I said there was very little literature, but one of them was Fred Philp, The Problem of the Problem Family. Mm. Uh, so, it, you know, that, that was the, the, the exciting literature, was around family support work and um, family service units. But this is the 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 flashback. Um, I had one case uh, because it was it was during the um, section two of the forty eight Act where you you couldn't take parental rights, uh, and I was very rights based, and I had this little girl, dual heritage little black girl, in um, in a white foster home, loving foster home, 
but you can imagine all the all the issues were and um and a single parent mom not very bright and her own mother who wanted this child back and as i saw it we haven't we had no right i said to the department we have to take parental rights or we have to help these people to have their daughter come back to them um and in the end um we me and the deputy director took this little girl back we shouldn't have done it you know actually we shouldn't have done it and this was me being overly certain young social worker uh legally we did the right thing morally we did the wrong thing and i can still see the event basically you know i can see people say please don't leave me miss bailey you know mm. the, the 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 awfulness you can see i can choke, choke up even when i think about it now mm. and i think that was the biggest mistake mm. i made actually but you know i know nobody would have faulted me for it but i know it was wrong um uh but I think from then on, that, that influenced... It didn't make me change my mind about mm. family support and families being important, but it certainly made me think about permanence and alternative routes to permanence mm. and how you, how you do permanence in a way that doesn't disrespect families, but mm. in the end is, is the right thing for children. OK, Beverly, that was... Um... June's first story, there's really a story about her beginnings in social work, wasn't it? And I, I was yeah. struck by um, how brave she was in telling that. And you could see the emotion, couldn't you? Yeah, June? absolutely. I mean, you could she feel it, you could palpitate it, but there were also tears in her eyes. So, yeah. you know, I'm in awe of June. So that was yeah. amazing for her to share that with us as her first story. Very powerful. Isn't it? And now June's going to move us to Canada, in fact, mm-hmm. um, for a story about... Uh, How to find a husband. That's what the story really was about. <laughs> An international sociologist. John, when we met, got a job in um, Edmonton, Alberta, doing a PhD. So I um, couldn't possibly leave my lovely case study in Leicester straight away. So, but I did follow him out to Edmonton and got a job in the city of Edmonton social services department. And um, that was very interesting because it was the days of Virginia Satir. Does that ring a bell? Yes, uh, yes. Systemic family therapy. That's right. The, yes. the, the mother of systemic family therapy. And the team at Edmonton, I, there was a childcare team, which is where I was, um, and there was uh, a family therapy team, or a family social work team, and I chose the childcare team, uh, so children in care, felt very familiar. Lovely, again, uh, who is important to you, a lovely team leader called Ernie Schlesinger, who I've only just discovered, I mean, he's only about six or seven years older, older than me, uh, but was part of the kinder transport. Uh, mm. I didn't know that. Mm. Um, he was a, 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 one of these absolutely superb team managers, basically. And of course, I was struggling a bit in a, in a foreign um, environment. Um, but um, 
theme that will come out essentially this was about I, I felt totally at home with these in this Canadian team about working with families my values totally fitted I found it a little bit odd that we had to go we didn't have our own car we used our own cars we had uh, red and yellow painted ex-police cars dodges they were <laughs> and this was Edmonton Alberta so in winter we uh, we we drove on packed snow um, and um, uh, there were big issues about Canadian Indians uh, and and problems the, the the families who we were struggling with many of them were non-reserved Indians living in in the city so I um, I, I I remember um, thinking it was a little bit odd announcing your presence with a, a city of Edmonton Welfare Department and you know being coming from where I come from yeah. confidentiality and all that uh, and but you could ask for an unmarked car or occasionally a little old Volkswagen you're allowed to use sometimes um, <laughs> but again it had a, a huge impact on on me uh, but the the point I'll bring up here is that I played around if you like with the notion of family therapy and decided it just wasn't me. Oh, okay. uh, my my friends were, were, were very keen, um, and I still have very good friends from that day. But I realised I was a you know a, a child and family social worker. So taking it on from there, really, um, what I became during that period was a relationship based helping social worker, and. When I got to UEA, uh, huge influences were Martin Davis, mm -hmm. the essential social worker who set up the School of Social Work at UEA, and interestingly, quite uniquely, would not employ anybody in the School of Social Work who wasn't hadn't been a social worker. So the sociology, the social policy. So I taught the social policy there, mm -hmm. and I begun to be interested in 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 policy mm. um but also david howe mm -hmm. um uh was there and i suppose um I, what i like is david howe's um, categorization of the fixers and the seekers after meaning yes so if if you like i started off as a seeker after meaning with with olive and um psycho, psychodynamic social work but essentially I became a fixer and, and I've always been a fixer mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think in Canada I, I realised that this is where my strength lay basically not in in particular technique um, mm -hmm. but in creativity basically and thinking how to help different people in different mm -hmm. circumstances so I think that's why that was important but also the um, in into into international um, stream of what I've always done. I I really became very interested in how you do social work in a in a different context country. And can I can I go back tonight? What 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 was it about the obviously because you were you, you talked about the psychodynamic influence. What was it about the family therapy that sort of turned you off? <laughs> Um, interestingly, when I much later when I came to 
when I was working in Norwich in the joint appointment, again, family therapy took a bit longer to come here, actually. It was all the rage at that point. Mm. And again, I joined a discussion group on family therapy, partly because that's where it was, and I wanted to be with people talking about social work. Um, and I, 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 think, I think it was the right answer. I, didn't, I hated the theoretical stuff. I mean, all the, you know, all the, the jargon that, that just didn't appeal to me. And um, so I've always disliked the notion of manualized social work, basically. I can see that manualized approaches to family support mm. are, are, are quite good. The families struggling a little bit. But to by the time people need social workers, mm. a manualized approach just didn't isn't gonna, didn't work isn't gonna work it. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm hugely influenced by my friends from that period, mm. and I shared a room with somebody who's now in her eighties and in residential care, but we're still very much in touch with. Um, and we did a lot of our work over the phone, which I thought was a bit peculiar. Um, and I, you because know, I'm used to going seeing people, and I sit and shared the room with this woman who, um, I heard her amazingly skilled work over the phone. But I, again, I have memories of, of her over the phone saying, "So you fucked the bastard." Uh, you can repeat that if you like. Maybe, uh, you, you we'll keep that million. It, 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 it was just a, a different way of a huge admiration of the people who were good at this. Mm. So I would never. It, it's just not me, basically. Mm. So so mm. that that I don't know and if so, you want to. And you emphasise creativity there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. A, a creative fixer. A creative fixer. Yeah, can you expand with, a bit on that? A creative fixer with a psychodynamic background because mm. it is about relationships mm. and you can't um you know not narrowly attachment theory or anything mm. but all all of that philida parslow olive stevenson mm. um olive stevenson's writing went on being hugely influential but there are also people like noel timms and eric sainsbury mm. timms was the client speaks Sainsbury, I can't remember, but he's one of those early researchers who who interviewed parents basically. So you came back from Edmonton with a with a sense of who you were as a social worker. Yeah, yeah, mm. ab- ab- absolutely. And went to children's department, Kensington and Chelsea, another huge influence, Joan Beckett. Um, I should have said, by the way, as part of Barnet House was Lucy Faithful, oh, yes. uh, and, uh, another hugely influential person who went to the House of Lords as a Conservative. Mm. Interestingly, um, it is really interesting, that isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but but Joan Joan Beckett was mm. a, a, and the team I was in in um, Kensington and Chelsea were all ex Barnet House, and but the team leader. Uh, was a guy called Tony Bage who had come up the, the hard way, relished having this group of group of us mm-hmm. um, uh, in in his his team. And again, 
uh, I was allowed to do the sort of child and family social work that I wanted to do there. I, re I remember it, it was it was a very creative department. I remember that this was um, post sixty three Act arguing uh, for using wasn't yet section seventeen to pay for contraception uh, for a young mother on the grounds of preventing the need to take children into care. Um, you know, we, we ha it was that sort of... Yes. Creativity yeah. was really welcome there. And um, uh, I was only there for about 18 months. But again, it, it, was, it was one of those exciting departments mm. where if you had an argument to be made, you could make it. It was a small department. Um, and what my clients because because it was scary days in, in 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 those days i was wandering into tenements which are now hugely expensive yes it's uh, very houses. different a very different um, and feeling somehow the protecting goodness and why it was mm -hmm. in in the days of uh, just after the notting hill riots mm -hmm. yeah. uh and um the father of one couple of kids I had in care was a you know, black man, white white mum, exploited, was executed in the Caribbean, you yes, know, but yes, yes. was you okay. know, one was dealing We've, with yeah. pretty yeah. scary people yes. basically. But the other exciting thing there was uh, Nigerian families, uh, who and we used to have this tussle about take my children into care because I, we both have to work, Nigerian students. And I would say, no, 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 no. Uh, we don't take children into care just because you both have to work. Um, and quite a lot of my clients were private fostering in these, these Kent families in uh, Kent, but uh, delightful people who offered me lovely meals. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and we, as I say, had, would have these, these tensions around. Yeah. Yes, um, they're looking for a bit of fosterage uh, rather, than, uh, rather than what we would see as foster care, because obviously in, in terms of in, culture, in, in, you often put the children with somebody else while you went and did uh, the work. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and that yeah. was, that was yeah. uh, their culture and yeah. their perceptions. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, we had these uh, splendid arguments <laughs> and, and uh, respected each other. So, yeah. so KNC again was... I wasn't there for. I wasn't in Canada for long. I wasn't at KNC for long. Mm. I wasn't in Leicester for long. Mm. But the, in in these three different environments, I could actually practice yes. in the way I wanted to practice. Mm. Basically, so you were forming June then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, um, hearing that back, Beverly, and the vivid descriptions of Canada, um, brilliant, and also. Um, that analysis of her um, Yeah, the uh, formation practice. of June. June yeah. as a social worker. What had grabbed me really was the stories around the freedom to practice, the creativity that she referred to, that you could think about families and the relationships with them and think about what may work in those contexts rather than this idea of applying a kind of manualised approach or a particular set of techniques or methods. Uh, that really speaks to me, really, because there is this sense that the system itself, actually the system itself, does constrain us in our creativity. We are kind of managed and monstered through the, through the risk, the risk monster that we often refer to. You know, but um, 
I also think it's interesting around the idea of creativity because today perhaps we call that innovation and this innovation kind of world always is about scaling up and then manualising in some ways and that's a that's problematic for me because I think Julie's talking about something which relates to being closer to people. Mm. And she says they're directly relationship-based helping social work. Yes. And we hear now in her final story, her moving through into talking about her experiences as a social work researcher. Yeah, yeah. So let's listen to that now. Let's listen. Brilliant. The other important bit of me is, is, is my research, which is obviously related to my, my teaching. And that first uh, case and the potential clash between principles and reality uh, pushed me into uh, what, what is the, the main theme of my research, which has been around roots to permanence. Mm-hmm. And it started with the Maria Coleman case mm-hmm. um, uh, when I was uh, actually at that stage, looking after my own kids at home and doing a bit of this and a bit of that. And um, Olive's minority report, which was was so important and so balanced, basically. And round about the same time, various other impacts on me. One was Bob Holman. And this, I think, was the South... I suppose I... I see my career as being, my research as being social work, socio-legal policy. Because I I did teach, although I had my first degree in French, when I came to UEA, I taught social policy and policy became my my main piece across across client groups. But anyway, um, Bob Holman... 1975 Act, which actually changed the balance following the Colwell Report towards foster care and adoption, mm-hmm. heavily influenced by Jane Rowe, who's mm-hmm. another important influence yes, on me, yes, for good, yes, yes. I would say. Um, but at that stage, uh, her Children Who Wait yes, was, yes. Was, was in there. In, in I've, got the, the, I've got my original of that. In the mix. <laughs> um, so it's not surprising mm. that uh, there was a swing uh, against parents. It, it was away from... So you've got the, the 1948 Act, mm. which actually is pro-family. Uh, you've then got the 63 Act. And then the 75 Act comes in mm. and says, hold on a minute, you know, children's rights, permanence, you know, foster carers have, have rights, etc. And there was a meeting in, in the Commons when it was the first time I bumped into Bob Holman. So I was obviously starting to be politically aware, as mm-hmm. it were. And he was so powerful in, in his facts. And he, he was researching. He was one of the earliest researchers around families of contact with children in care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, again, I, I have a picture of, of that event, really. Um, so... That is when I started to do research and said, okay, with, with this case of Chrissy in, in mind, where, mm-hmm. where do I stand? What is the evidence? So I managed to get some money uh, to do this little study um, interviewing parents of children in care. 
um, which eventually became Captive Plants. And influences then Bob Holman, Dennis Marsden, who was a sociologist, uh, single parent families, he wrote about Essex, but he was one of the early qualitative researchers. Mm -hmm. he, he interviewed people and asked their views, which uh, was fairly the start of social policy research. But Jane Olgate, Ross yes. Thorpe were the two names who were doing the sort of research that actually asked families what, what they thought. And particularly Ros Thorpe, I don't know if you know the article, Mum and Mrs. So-and-so. No, uh, no, I've got no. it. It's an absolute seminal article, Mum and Mrs. So-and-so, yes. where she wrote about her, her research. And those two were so supervised by Vic George in and John Triseliotis. Oh, right, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they started this theme of research that I could muscle into with my captive clients' research. And the other people who were hugely generous of their time were Noel Timms, Eric Sainsbury, mm. who were all doing research, talking to, to clients. Mm. And that was, that was unusual. Mm. Uh, the psychologist said at the time said you can't do that you can't interview people you can give them questionnaires but you can't actually interview them and especially you can't talk to children um, so those people reassured me that that this was proper research uh, do you remember those interviews have you got memories of oh yeah I've, I've got memories of of um of trekking around uh, around Norfolk and some lovely spots um, near the beach of um, one of the famous um, North North Norfolk beaches, little mm -hmm. hamlets and this mm -hmm. little family there. And um, I think I've somehow rather missed out that when I came back from Canada, I got a, my post was team leader, family support. Um, team leader prevention, if you like. So some of the people I knew you from knew from my case from case case. Um, and it was yeah. prevention, and that allowed me to wheel yeah. and deal amongst um, um, contact centres and uh, various people doing things. So again, I made some very valuable contacts in Norwich that stayed with me. So I keep bumping into into these people, and I can. We use each other, shall yeah. we say. So that whole kind of um, that whole creativity uh, story that you started with that can that continues and that continues it, into it's the research. It's creativity and yeah. it's multidisciplinarity. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's the salad and soup approach, basically. Mm. I'm a salad person. You you know I know what social work does, uh, but you you have to work with nurses and. Day, daily minders and contact centres mm. and, uh, mm. and and all, all the rest of it. So mm. I, I certainly remember an interview with one mother who really she was, her children had been taken into care whilst I was, it wasn't my case, while I was in charge and um, had come back to her because it was all about children home from care and the captive, mm. which was the Maria Coleman story, of yes, course. Yeah. And she saying to me, well, of course I hit him, but I don't let it show because I know they'd say away. And I knew, she, she said, my social worker was absolutely wonderful, but there was absolutely no way that I would be telling her 
what what was going wrong because I didn't want to lose him again, uh, but it was difficult. So those it's sorts of comments, which is why yeah. the captive clients, this sense of power that, again, is there in Eric Sainsbury's work mm -hmm. as well. Um, as, as a researcher, you are incredibly privileged mm. because you can hear things like that and you can't do anything about it. Mm. And, and people would be critical of the social worker for not knowing that. But of course, the social, she would never say that to the social worker okay. who she yeah. found incredibly helpful. But she turned to me because she couldn't do anything. And did you, um, do you remember how that early research was received by your colleagues and, and others in social work? Well, it was received very well and it's still, I think, still referred is, to, it isn't is, it? Yeah. But, but certainly the book probably would not have been published without Bob Holman mm. saying, you know, never mind, don't, don't quibble about this, this is good stuff, get it published. Mm. Uh, and of course that helped to, to, yes. to, get, it, to get it known. And the, the, the next influence along the line, and this is where the international thing comes in, is Tony Maluccio, who uh -huh. Maluccio et al, permanence in childcare. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's amazing the these, 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 were, these were the days of permanence, and he said... I want to, I'm wanting to check, because I went back to that book, because of what I've been actually doing in terms of also looking at permanence. And I've picked up that book and sat yeah, and have read it again. It, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> it's all and, there. <laughs> and, 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 and permanence equals, first permanence option is return home. Yes. First permanence option is return home. And, and Tony Maluccio in that book mm. said how to do it. So I went to a conference, organised, I don't know how I, at that point I went, bumped into Jane Tunstall, another key influence, um, University of Surrey, um, and she, uh, Bob Holman had told her about my work, so I was asked to be on the platform, also on the platform of Bob Holman, Tony Maluccio, and me. Um, and so Tony Maluccio, who literally died last week, but has remained a close contact so moving on quickly on the the research uh, that was whilst i was off work with the kids and doing a bit of work for sets were uh, still beefing away uh, two pieces of research really one paternalism and partnership mm. uh, and that i owe to another individual gacharan three individuals gacharan verdi okay. who was a, a, a team leader in a little team in Hackney, uh, Anthony Douglas, who was uh, in Hackney, and Diane Jackson, who mm. uh, tweets from town to town. And they said, we're going to have parents in conferences. Would you like to um, evaluate it? No money. We said yes. And it was the social workers who wanted it. Mm. And the, the other professionals said, no, 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 no. So we showed that it, yeah. it could yeah. could work. Small yeah. piece of qualitative research. Just as it was published, the, the, the Butler Sloss report came out, okay. Cleveland report, mm. saying it is it is totally wrong that these important decisions are made behind the closed parents, doors. Closed yeah. doors. Yeah. What do we know about parents in conferences, says okay. the DP. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, there's this little bit of study that somebody <laughs> happens to have done, have a look at it. So we got money yeah. uh, to, to do the major study mm. for, on, on paternalism and, and partnership. Mm. It was a very good good study. Yeah. And well, it was, it, it was seminal, Jane, and this is the thing that I will say to you, because the, the, the power of what you're referring to, 
was so powerful in my training, you know, in my in my what, generation. Of and yeah, they were they were absolutely at the heart well, of it, and, and, what and, we were what we were raised to do. And round about the same time, the first, if you like, textbook was child placement principles mm. and practice. But mm. they they're all woven in, and the yes. cases that yes. we had in child yeah. placement principles practice were people I'd inter- either on my caseload or mm. or interviewed. So and then the the final bit, if you like, is the other bit of permanence, which is Jane Rowe, and, and she was always misinterpreted uh, children who wait as being about getting children adopted. It wasn't, again, her her first permanence option was, was to go back home. So Jane and I became very good, good friends. We were given the possibility of evaluating here the the child wants a home, which is one of those early pioneering hard to place mm-hmm. placement children in foster care and adoption, mm-hmm. and then that followed on with um, the big study of over eleven hundred permanently placed children mm-hmm. that Jane was uh, the co-author with. So it's that. Um, almost brings us up to date apart from the when I retired I got a Leverhulme fellowship to look at children in care around the world that was wonderful it didn't pay me any money because I got my pension but it paid my fare and I thought where have I got friends and where do I want to visit New Zealand Australia Mm. so I went to see Ross Thor family group conferences Mm. or friends in America because by that stage again the internet Tony Maluccio I'd become part of what is the IOBA group International Association for Outcome Based Research on Children and Families Mm -hmm. which was started by Tony Maluccio and Tiziano Vecchiato an Italian Mm -hmm. Tony is Italian and got to know people like Jim Whitaker, Rick Bart, mm-hmm. Mary Berry, you know, mm-hmm. big oh, names yes, from across right. there. Yeah. Um, and uh, they facilitated, Peter Pecora, they facilitated my access. So mm-hmm. what what we did there is is in each country I found a, an academic a policy maker and a stats person mm-hmm. and said, you know, who's in care, how do you decide, mm. what's your legislation. Mm. So I produced this study of children in care in 28 jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. So that's actually kept me going. That's been my bread and butter ever since, yes, basically. Yes, yes. So yeah. um, finally going going back to my roots, I, I was asked by a sex work colleague of long ago to write something on collaborative practice. So collaborative practice with vulnerable children mm-hmm. and families which now has its Japanese translation so that's me it's a beautiful arc so that was June's final story on the relational soup podcast all that's left is for me and Tim to thank June for sharing those wonderful stories mm. and providing us with nourishment for the mind and the tummy, because we had some beautiful pumpkin soup and lovely fresh bread. So, Tim, final thoughts on that great series from from June? Yeah, I I think we sort of got a sense of her um, path to understanding, and that's about talking to people rather than um, 
construing people in poverty in a certain way. Mm, and so mm. we got, she said it herself in the first story, that we got a real flavour of her as a relationship-based helping social work researcher there. Anyway. Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely journey. do. Yeah. Really interesting journey. Hearing the voices of people and being closer to people to help us understand ourselves as people yeah. and as professionals. Yeah. So thank you so much, June. Hey Beverly, we must say that the Relational Soup podcast has a producer and editor par excellence uh, in our friends and collaborator Andrew Rist. So thank you, Andrew. Yes. Yeah, and thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, there'll be more coming. The Relational Soup podcast. podcast. Still didn't get that one. I left the the, the in it. Okay, it's never mind. It's okay for us. Let's go. Let's right. roll. See you later, everyone. Bye. Bye.